0: Thank you, brother. Great job as always. Good job all day today, man. You bless my heart. Take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn with me back to Joshua chapter number one. And what I want to do this evening is finish up kind of what we started last Sunday morning. I began teaching from Joshua chapter number one last week in, uh, in our Sunday morning service. And my plan was to preach through uh, the first eight verses. And really got through about verse number seven. I spent most of my time in the first seven verses telling you about the victory we have in Jesus, and I don't apologize for that. I think we ought to spend some time on that, talking about what we have in Christ. Um, but then we kind of missed out in the in the latter part of that message by not seeing how to uh, how to walk in that victory, you know, and, and how to really claim what is ours because of what Christ has done for us, and it's from the example of the. Old Testament people of faith that again we can learn what it means to walk in that victory. So I want to spend most of our time tonight in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look again at verse 7. Uh, we're going to look again at verse 8. And then we'll look at verse number 9. And I'm going to do this very quickly and we'll be done. In verse 7 and in verse number 8 we have a conditional statement. Now listen how the Bible says this. Only be thou strong... And very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now I don't know about you, but when the Bible says, God says, I'm going to cause you by my power to prosper whithersoever you go, that sounds like victory to me. Now he gives us three things in verse 7 that we must do as conditions if we're going to claim the promise that God gives that He'll make us prosper. Three things in verse 7. Then He gives us three things in verse 8. Look down at verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, watch this now, and thou shalt have good success. Again, at the end of verse 8, that sounds like victory to me. I'm going to make your way prosperous, and I'm going to cause you to have good success. Now, let me ask you something. How many in here want to prosper? Amen. Me too. Me too. How many in here want to have good success? Anybody want to have good success in your business? Absolutely. At your workplace? Absolutely. I do. I don't know about you. I want my next raise. I want my next promotion. I want God's blessing. In my life, at my workplace, in my business. Whatever your business is, I'm sure that's true for you as well. How many want to prosper in your marriage? How how many of you want a marriage that God is pleased with? A marriage that you enjoy and you don't have to just endure? Don't you want that? Absolutely. I want to prosper in that. How many want to prosper in your parenting? Raising up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I've told my kids for a long time. What I want to do is raise up warriors. I want, to, I want to raise up kids that have the strength to stand for what they know to be right which is God's precious truth. I want, to, I, want to raise, I want to raise my kids so that they might go out and be what God wants them to be in a lost and dying world and make an impact for the kingdom of God. I want to prosper in my parenting. And. If that's true for you, and I hope it is, I feel like it probably is, then then God tells us how to do it. He gives us three things in verse 7 and three things in verse 8 that we need to do, and we're going to look at those tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that's already been given because of who you are, Lord Jesus, and what you've done for us. Lord, I'm thankful that victory has been purchased, but now what we must do is claim it. What we must do is possess what's already ours. And Lord, I'm asking you that that you show us plainly how to do that tonight from your precious truth. Show us, Lord, how to walk in the victory that you've given to the people who's trusted in you. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Let's look at verse 7. He gives us three things there. Watch what he says. First of all, he says, only be thou Strong. So he says, if you're going to prosper and, and you're going to be blessed and you're going to walk in victory, what you got to first do is be strong. Now, why is it that he says we're going to have to be strong? I think, listen, he's telling them and the word is telling us tonight because this is a living word. How many know that? I mean, no, this is not just an antique writing that was written thousands of years ago to Joshua, but this truth is also relevant for Israel, and it's relevant for you in your life. It's relevant for us tonight, and we need to take this truth and apply it and expect God to do what He has promised to do. Amen? But but again, this this is a conditional thing. God is is saying, look, if you do your part, then I'm going to do my part. And folks, I cannot stress this enough. The work of God is hindered by our lack of faithfulness in keeping God's principles. It's not hindered by God's faithfulness in keeping His promises. God always keeps His promises. He's going to do what He has promised to do. His faithfulness, the Bible says, reaches to the heavens. God is going to be faithful, not because of who I am or what I've done or what I hadn't done. God is faithful because of who He is. And if He's promised it, He's going to do it. It's based on His integrity, not mine. Amen? Amen. And so you need to know that. God says, I'm going to do my part, but you've got to do your part. Let me tell you why I say that. Because what you do matters. And, And the reason I put it to you like that, if so many times as a pastor, I counsel with people who have fallen into sin and made some bad decisions and choices in their life. And a lot of times they'll come and, man, they'll be all broken down about it. And they'll be sitting in my office or we'll be talking together somewhere. And they'll say something like this, well, I just know God has a plan. Well, let me say something. A lot of times the things we go through that is causing us so much turmoil and so much heartache, that has nothing to do with God's plan. God's getting a whole lot of credit for things that God don't even do. That has nothing to do with God's plan for you. It probably has something to do with some poor decisions you've made. Amen? Amen. So we got to take responsibility for our own actions. Myself included. Hey, listen. What you do matters. If God is going to allow you to be a part of what he's doing, then what you do matters. And it can hinder what God wants to do in your life and in my life. And so he, he makes this conditional statement. He says, first of all, you do your part, then I'm going to do my part. God to keep his promise. We must live according to his principles. Now, he says, be strong. Now, why does he tell us to be strong? Well, we need to be strong enough to stand for what we know to be right and true, regardless of whether or not it's popular. Regardless of whether or not the world likes it or, not, or don't like it, we've got to be strong enough to stand as God's people. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be very honest with you tonight. I want you to know that if you walk in the light, the darkness is not going to like that. If you stand for truth in a world full of lies, many times the world won't like that. Let me tell you why. Because light exposes what's in the darkness. You become to a lost and dying world a contradiction and also a conviction for the wrong that's in their life when you choose to do what God has told you to do, when you choose to live according to God's truth. And so when that happens, many times they ain't going to like that. They're going to come against you. And I'll promise you this, in the world we live in today, it's going to take strength to stand for what God says is right. How many of you know God says that marriage is between one man and one woman? It's going to take some strength of the people of God to stand for that. Because when you say that in today's culture, you're going to be hated because of it. Matter of fact, I I see a a time in the very near future where you could be even prosecuted as a hate. If if you say that, you'd be prosecuted as a hate crime. That there are already legislation across this country that's trying to bring that to pass. And so we're going to have to have some strength to stand. It it amazes me, but I never thought I'd come to the place in my lifetime where we didn't know whether it was a woman or a man. Do you know that right now, in, in in New York, in the state of New York, there are 27 different genders recognized. 27. Now, if you tell people that God created man and woman, they don't like that. Why? Because it goes against what they feel. It goes against what they think. And what amazes me, that tolerant crowd that's always preaching so much tolerance becomes the most intolerant when you don't agree with them. And I promise you, if you make us stand for truth, they're going to come against you in that. We're going to have to have some strength as the people of God to stand up and say God's word is still truth and we're going to stand on it. I love the old hymn song, standing on the promises that cannot fall, listening to my Savior, listening to the Spirit's call. How does that go? Somebody help me. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Yes. But folks, we got to learn to stand on the promises of God because I can promise you this, what God says will stand when the world is, is, is done away with. God's truth stands forever. So you got to have some strength. Listen to what Jesus said. Uh, go with me over to the book of John. John chapter number 15. Look down with me to verse number 18. It says, "If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, well, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you." Remember that the world that I, remember that the word that I said unto you: the servant is not greater than his lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So what Jesus is saying is, the world is going to hate you not as much because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Not as much because of what um, you believe, but because of what you stand for. When you start standing for truth, uh, again, walking in the light, the darkness is not going to like it. I'm reminded as a a pastor, one of my favorite verses over in the book of 2 Timothy. Flip over there with me for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 1. We'll just start right there. Paul speaking to whom he calls his son in the faith, Timothy, who is now a young pastor. At the church at Ephesus, a church that Paul started on one of his missionary journeys, he says this, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Let me tell you what he's saying. Preach the word in season when it's popular and preach the word out of season when it may not be popular. (laughs) Because he goes on to say in verse number three For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers Watch this Having itching ears They're going to want their ears tickled They're not going to want to hear the truth And if there's ever been a time um, That that scripture has been fulfilled I believe we're living in that day I don't care what you believe You can find a church to back up your belief system Whatever it is No matter how far out there it is, we've got people who are gathering around teachers that will tickle their ears. Folks, we've got to be willing to have strength to stand for God's truth. So, how do we do that? We stick with the stuff, man. We stick with the Word of God. We make sure that we stay with what God says. We're going to preach what God says, we're going to teach what God says. We're going to pray what God says. We'll talk about that in a minute. Listen, it's all about the truth of God's word here at Mount Zion. We want to keep it that way. And every plan and every program, the centerpiece ought to be the precious, powerful truth of God's word. So we've we've got to stand on that. We're going to keep standing on that. But it's going to take some strength to do so. That's why God told Joshua to be strong. But then he says something else. He says, be courageous. Now, let me give you a definition of Courageous that came straight from the Webster's Dictionary. but Man, it's really good. The ability to do something that frightens one. I like that. See, courage, having courage is not being absent of fear, but it's doing what you know to be right and true, even in the presence of fear, even though you may be fearful. Standing for what's right, doing what's right, even when fear grips you. Now, Jesus did exactly that. Do you remember in Matthew chapter number 26, brothers, if you will, please put this on the screen for me. Matthew 26, we'll look there at verse number 39. Jesus is there in the garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? And he's getting ready to go to the cross. And I believe there in the garden of Gethsemane, the night before he's to be crucified, I think even then uh, the sins of all mankind was being placed upon him. If you remember when we studied through the book of John, we talked about what Gethsemane means. And Gethsemane means the place of crushing. And so I believe there in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was already being crushed. And when he started praying, the Bible says that his sweat became as great drops of blood. What did he pray? Watch this. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But listen to what he says. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. How many of you know Jesus was 100% God? God incarnate in the flesh. But he was also 100% man. Minus that sinful nature that we all have. He was the God man. And because he was a man, I believe during this time, he became fearful about what he was about to go into. About what he was fixing to go through, he realized that. Listen, the sins of the world was about to be placed upon him. He realized he was about to suffer the cross. He realized, for the first time in all of eternity, he was going to be the first and only time he was going to be separated from God the Father because he was he would become sin. The Bible says there on the cross. He became our sin bearer. And I believe there on the cross when the scripture says that the sky sky turned dark for those three hours there, I believe that's that's the time that God the Father turned his back on his son. So for the first and only time in all of eternity, God the Father and God the Son's relationship was broken because of my sin and your sin. And I think all of that brought fear to the heart of Jesus. But listen. He had courage. Even though there was presence of fear in his life about what he was going to face, he still did what he knew to be right and true. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but Heavenly Father, I've come to do your will. Your will be done. That's courage. Now listen to me, child of God. Some of you tonight, anybody in here scared to death about sharing their faith? I'll raise my hand. Scares me to death. Still. Shakes me up. I mean, I get nervous about it. Sometimes to the point of getting sick about it. Some people ask me on Wednesday nights when we eat at 6 on Wednesday nights, I I never eat, and there's a reason for that. You can ask my wife. I never eat on Sunday mornings either. Because I knew if I did, I'd get sick before I got up here. Man, I still get tore up about sharing what I know God's put upon my heart. Because I realize the great blessing I've been given. But I also realize the great responsibility. And I don't take that lightly. And so I still get, I get afraid. Man, every time I stand up here, it scares me to death. Still. Not as bad as it used to. But it's still there. So listen, I want you to know something. We've got to be courageous enough to do what's right. Even in the presence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but doing what's right in the presence of fear. And that's what we've got to be, courageous people, willing to stand, willing to stand for truth, and willing to speak truth. He says, be strong, be courageous. But then he says something else in Joshua chapter number one. He says, be obedient. Watch this. He says, and observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. He says, take the word of God, find out what it says, and do it do it. Be obedient as the children of God to what God's told you to do. Now, let me tell you what I thought for a long time. Maybe you're the same way. I would pray and I'd say, God, please show me what you want me to do. Give me revelation for what you have for me. God, speak to my heart. Show me what I need to see. And and really what I thought at that time years ago, I I really thought that God was going to open up the window of heaven and a beam of light was going to shine forth from heaven right into my skull and give me everything that I needed and give me all the answers that I was searching for. And don't get me wrong. Maybe I wanted God to speak with this great big booming voice from the heavens so that I could hear exactly what he wanted me to do. And and folks, I I want you to know something either one of those things God's capable of. He can bring the, the, the uh, light from heaven, that light beam and give me everything I need. He can speak with a great big giant booming voice. He can handle that. I'm not sure I could handle that, but he could handle that. But then one day, in, in a time of study, it became clear to me. I want you to know, listen, God has already given you exactly what he wants you to do. Let me tell you where you find it. Right here in the Word of God. Are there specific things that God gives us to do in our own individual ministries? Absolutely. But I want to tell you if you want to know what God wants from you and for you, look to His Word. He told Joshua, observe to do all that is written in the Word. Be obedient to what God says. So we need to be strong, we need to be courageous. We need to be obedient. That's the first three things. Now, let's go on to verse number eight. Watch this. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, what's he saying? I think he's saying to speak God's word with your mouth. Amen? Speak it with your mouth. When do we speak it? Well, let me tell you two very, very important times. You need to be speaking the word of God. You need to be speaking the word of God in your prayer life. Learn to pray God's Word. Amen? Learn to pray God's Word back to Him. I love 1 John 5, 14. The Bible says that we can be confident that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In my prayer life, I continually pray that back to God, reminding Him of what He's promised me. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you something. I pray over my kids all the time. I pray over my kids whether they know it or not. Sometimes it's when they're asleep at night and I just sneak into the room, lay my hands on them. And I pray that no weapon that's formed against them shall prosper. I pray that God would do a work in their life that only He can do by His power. And He that hath begun the good work would perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 I'm praying God's Word into their life over them. Speak God's Word in your prayer life and you will be amazed at how powerful your prayers become. I'm telling you. It works. So speak God's Word in your prayer life. Let me give you another one. Speak God's Word to your problem. See, you've got to get a hold of you some Scripture. I'm talking about some Scripture that means something to you. Now, I can give you several of my favorite, and I'll be glad to do so tonight, but I want you to get a hold of Scripture that is special to you. And I want you to hold on to that and memorize that. Spend time hiding God's Word in your heart. So that you can use it when those problems arise. How many know that's what Jesus did? Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 4. Let me give you what Jesus did with his biggest problem. Satan himself. Watch. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up to the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And the tempter came to him. He said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread... But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Look at these words there. Jesus said, it is written. Now let me ask you something. Where is it written at? It's written in the word of God. What he's quoting is Deuteronomy 8.31. And he's saying back to the devil, he's speaking God's word directly to his problem. Are you seeing that? You need to learn to do that too. When you feel Satan attacking your family, speak God's word. When you feel those temptations coming on you like a flood, speak God's word. When you feel those problems arise in your life and you can't explain where they're coming from, speak God's word to it. Just like Jesus did. Then the devil taketh him up into an holy city and sitteth on, sit on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Jesus is quoting the word back to Satan. He's quoting the word to his problem. He's keeping God's word in his mouth. He's doing... What God the Father told Joshua to do back in Joshua chapter 1. What God has told us to do. Jesus leads by example. Can you say amen? He shows us what it means to be a man of God, pleasing unto the Lord. And if we're going to be that, we've got to speak God's word with our mouth. And he says again, verse 10. Then says Jesus to him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Where is it written at? Deuteronomy six thirteen, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. In Him only shalt thou serve. So let me say something to you. Speak God's word with your mouth. I speak Hebrews thirteen five all the time. God says He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I speak Philippians one six all the time, being confident that He that has begun this good work in you will perform it on the day of Jesus Christ. I speak Hebrews twelve two all the time, that Jesus is the author and He's the finisher of my faith. Amen. Get you some scripture and start speaking God's word from your mouth. There's power in it, I'm telling you. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8 says, Speak God's word with your mouth. And then he says something else, and meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So, what's he saying? We speak God's word with our mouth. We meditate on God's word with our mind. Don't just read over God's word to fulfill an obligation. But meditate on God's word to get a hold of his truth. Truth that changes your life. Now, I don't know when you do your quiet time. A lot of people say you've got to do a quiet time in the morning. No, you ain't got to do it in the morning. There's certainly some benefits to doing your quiet time in the morning. David said, early I will seek thee, speaking of the Lord. He had his quiet time in the morning. I think that if we do our quiet time in the morning and get a hold of God's truth early, then we can meditate on it throughout the day. We can think on what really God is saying to us. But I want to encourage you, whatever you are, whenever you are best, do your quiet time. Some of you are not morning people. Some of you are. Some of you are more night owls. That's okay. Whenever you are at your best, take time to spend time in God's Word. And when you spend time in God's Word, don't just read over, meditate on it. What does it mean when it was written to those people? Who's God speaking to there? Keep God in context. What does it mean today in the context that I live in? And when it really hits home to you, is what does it mean to me? How does this apply to my life? Meditate on those things. Think on those questions. Pray that God gives revelation through his inspired word of God. Speak God's word with your mouth. Meditate on God's word with your mind. Let me give you another one. He says, and then you would observe to do according to all that's written. Live out God's word in your manner of life. Make application of God's word to your everyday living. I've told you folks, I'm glad you're here on Sunday morning. Praise God for you. Thank you for being here tonight. Good looking crowd this evening. Praise God for you. Glad you're here. Come back Wednesday night. We're going to do this all over again. Starting at 6 o'clock, come back and be with us. That's great. I want you to be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. It's great to hear God's Word. But now let me tell you something. Don't just hear it. Heed it. Hear what you've said. Hear what's been said today in the preaching and teaching. Take that with you and apply it to your life tomorrow at your workplace. Tomorrow in your home. Wherever you go. Make application of God's word to your life personally. Observe to do all that is written therein. Live out God's word in your manner of life. I'm telling you, we can have victory. It's been purchased for us by the precious blood of Jesus. For those who've placed their faith in him, we've been given the victory, but we can only walk in it when we do life God's way, amen? And these six things that we've looked at tonight, I can promise you work if you work it. God's word works, but you've got to work it. You've got to put it into practice. Now, let me give you some very practical things to help you overcome Let's just say that somebody in here has a problem with chocolate cake. I'm just, going to give you, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical. Somebody in here really loves chocolate cake. Really. Now listen to me. That someone also knows too much chocolate cake is not good for them. Right Now, if I'm going to overcome this temptation for chocolate cake, let me tell you what I've got to do. I've got to stay out of the bakery. If I, if, I, if I spend too much time around the chocolate cake, I promise you I'm going to be in the chocolate cake. And I'm going to partake of more of the chocolate cake than I need to. So I'm going to stay away from the chocolate cake. Let me get real with you for just a moment. I've got a drug problem. I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus saved me and brought me out of a life of addiction. And there were things that had a stronghold and a stranglehold on my life. I could not break free of without the power of God. I tried. I could, I, could not, I could not quit. I wanted to quit. I seen what it was doing to me. I seen what it was doing to my family. I seen what it was doing to my whole life. It was wrecking and ruining my life completely. But I couldn't quit, no matter how hard I tried. By the power of God, he set me free. I'm telling you. By the power of God, he set me free. But let me tell you what I still know. I still got a drug problem. I know what my chocolate cake is. And guess what I do? I stay out of the bakery. I don't hang out with people who use chocolate cake. Are you hearing me? I don't go to places where chocolate cakes are present. Because I know if I get around that, what I'm going to do. Let me tell you how I know it. Jesus said in Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, he says to the disciples, he says, The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. God gives me the desire by the Holy Spirit to serve him, but this old sinful nature is weak. And so I've got to guard myself, brothers and sisters. If I'm going to walk in victory and overcome in this life, I've got to guard myself. I don't know what your chocolate cake is, I know what mine is. I would advise you to stay out of the bakery. Whatever you got to do to stay out of the bakery, stay out of it. You can have victory, but you got to do it God's way. Amen? Let me pray for you tonight. Anybody got any special needs before we close? Yes, ma'am.